Shalom Aleichem, Shavua Tov, to all of you listeners of this beautiful and great station, uh, Jerut, uh, station of Divrei Torah, Divrei Musa, Divrei Orerut, and religious music. Now, I wanna, I'm going to talk about the parasha yesterday, parasha Vayhi. The parasha starts by Yaakov was sick, and Yosef took this opportunity to bring his two children to get a beracha from Yaakov. Yaakov Avinu. Uh, you know, before he passes on. Of course, Moshe Rabinu also learned from Yaakov and also before he passed on, he also gave a beracha to Rabbi Israel. Here, he gave a beracha to the special beracha for Menashe and Ephraim. But when Yaakov Avinu saw the two brothers, Menashe and Ephraim, he asked, Mi'ele, who are these? What do you mean, who are these? I mean, they've been there for 17 years. You must have seen them before. Of course you saw them before. So what does that mean? That who are these? So Rashi explains what he meant was, they are not fit for Berakha. Enam re'uyim la Berakha. Why? Because he saw Berwacha Kodesh that Yerav Amarasha was Uved Abadazara and Ahab who was a big a king that was also Uved Abadazara. They both were coming from Ephraim. And Yehu, King Yehu and his sons were coming also of the Abadazara, were coming from Menashe. So he's like, that's what he meant. He says, why, why, you know, who are these that have this, 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 this offspring that are so bad? But despite that, the divine spirit, the Shekhinah, came back and he did bless them. But what he answered was, uh, Yosef Sadiq said, Banai him, these are my children. Okay? Elokim Baze. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave me these two sons with this. What does that mean with this? Well, he showed him Shtar Erusin, Shtar Ketubah. He showed him a contract with the Ketubah and so on. The question him Fashim asked, a Ketubah has witnesses in it. So who, who are the witnesses? They, they, everybody, they, there was no Jews over there. They were all Egyptians. Well, they say, you know, what happened then is that Yosef HaTzadik, he converted some Egyptians and those were the witnesses on it, on the Kedubah and the Kedushi. Also, he, uh, when he told them that, uh, he showed them the, the, the Kamiya. He married Osnat, but Potifera. Now, Yosef HaTzadik wasn't going to just go ahead and just marry anybody. Certainly not just an Egyptian from uh, Potifera. The Hachamim said from the Midrash, they bring the fact that Osnat, but Potifera, Potifera was nothing more than Potiphar. That's the one where Yosef was actually uh, working for him. And he had a daughter who was not his real daughter, not a biological daughter, but she was a, uh, a, a daughter he adopted. 
what happened was when Dina was uh, abused by uh, Shechem ben Hamor, the prince, and from that union, there was an issue. It was a girl. That girl happened to be this Osna. But the, the brothers didn't like the idea to have a, a girl that came from this uh, uh, immoral type of, uh, of relation that she should stay there. So they put her in, in a marketplace and Malach came, took her, took, took her and he put her by the doorstep of Potiphar. And it so happened that Potiphar's and his wife didn't have any children either. When they saw her, they liked her and they, they adopted her. Now, how did it come about that uh, Yosef at Sadiq and this Asnat was really his niece, was the daughter of Dinah, his sister? How did he, they match up? Okay, when, uh, when uh, Yosef at Sadiq interpreted the dream of Paro, then they took him and like put him in a in a parade. And in those days, when there was a parade, then there were many women that would throw in some kind of jewelry at him. Asna didn't have any jewelry. All she had was a kamiya, uh, some kind of a, a, a necklace that she had uh, with a plate on it that was written that actually she was the granddaughter of Yaakov Avinu. So she threw that. Later on, Yosef Sadiq looked at it and he saw that she was his niece. That's when he married her. So he was telling Yaakov Bazin, meaning that I have Shtar Irusin, I have Shtar Ketubah, and this is, not, this is a, a woman that's Keshera from our, our own uh, Zera and so on and so forth. Then he started the Beracha. Now, we know Menashe was the Bechor. Ephraim was, of course, the younger one. And what Yaakov Avinu did, he put Menashe on his right and Ephraim on his left, which is correct. That's the way it should be. Because he was the Bechor, should be on the right. But then, when he started the Beracha, he crossed his hands. He transposed them. He put the right hand on Ephraim's head and the left hand on Menashe's head. Now, that did not go so well with Yosef at Sadiq. And Yosef uh, actually, he actually tried to pick up with force the hand in order to bring the right hand to Menashe. But Yaakov, would not agree. Yaakov Avinu says to him, Yadati beni Yadati. I know, my son, I know. What does that mean twice, Yadati? Yadati, I know what you know, and I know what you do not know. Now, the reason why Yosef at Sadiq wanted to have the right hand on Menashe is because Menashe was the Bechor. And if you put it on the other, that might create some jealousy. Now, Yosef himself was 
<laughs> he was a victim of jealousy. His brothers, they were, they hated him because they were jealous of him. And they sold him. And they went, they came as a slave in Mitzrayim. All because of jealousy. So he didn't want to start that again between Menashe and Ephraim. But then he said to him, no, don't worry. I know one thing, he says. There's something that I know that you know, but there's something that you may not know. What does that mean? Chazal tells us that there were seven women in our history that were Neviot. Was they were prophetesses. They were prophetesses. And they list them. Sarah, Imenu, Miriam and Nevi'ah, Deborah was a, a judge, Hannah, the mother of Shmuel, Abigail, which be, eventually became uh, the wife of, uh, uh, of David Amelech, Esther Amalka, and another one, Hulda. These are the seven Nevi'ot. According to Hazal, that's it. But then, we have a contradiction to this. Why? Because Rashi says Bifirush in Parashat Vayetzeh that the Imahot also were Nevi'ot. Now Le'ah, Imenu, was one of the Imahot and he brings the Re'ayah from Le'ah. What Re'ayah does he bring from Le'ah? Le'ah Imenu, after she had six boys, she became pregnant again. In that seventh pregnancy, she was supposed to have a boy. Reason why she called, I mean, it turned out to be Dina a girl because of her prayer. Dina is from the word done, judgment. She made a judgment in her own mind. If she has six boys and the, each one of the Shefahot had two, that's already ten. And she knew that there's going to be 12 Shabbatim. She knew. Now, if she would have a boy, which is a seventh boy, then Rachel Imenu would have only one boy. She didn't want that. Leah did not want to embarrass her sister that she should have even less than the Shefahot. Therefore, she prayed to Hashem and it changed, Hashem changed the gender to a girl. So that her sister Rahe would have at least two boys. But we see from here that Leah Imenu also had some kind of Ruach HaKodesh. So why wasn't Leah listed among the, the, the seven? Should be eight. And the other Imahot supposedly are also Neviot. Perhaps we can say Pshat like this. There's, there, there's two types of Nevi'ut, there is the, the Imahot or Nevi'ot in the sense that they could tell things about the immediate family, about matters that have to do with the family. But when it comes to actually looking far in the future, that's a different situation. Not any real Navi. To be able to see far in the future. Yaakov Avinu was a real Navi. He was able to see far in the future. And he told Yosef at Sadiq, I know what you know about this uh, 
the idea that it could be friction and quarrels between them, but that's not the point. I see fun in the future that you're going to have Gidon from Menashe. Now, Gidon was a shofet. Uh, he he uh, he saved the Bnei Israel from the Plishtim. He went to war, saved them, and so on. He was a uh, he was a judge there by uh, for a number of years. That's great, but that was temporary. On the other hand, from Ephraim, from Ephraim, you're going to have Yoshua Binun. Yoshua Binun was right after Moshe Rabbeinu. He's the one that conquered the all the all of Eretz Israel. He fought with 31 kings. He was the one that stopped the sun. He said, Shemesh Dom. He ordered the sun to stop so he can finish the battle. Miracle, great miracle. Yoshua Binun was also very crucial in transmitting the Torah. As it says in Pirkei Avot, Moshe Kibel Torah Misinai. Moshe Rabbeinu received the Torah from HaKadosh Baruch Sinai. Um Sarah He gave it over to Yoshua. Yoshua Liskinim. Then Yoshua gave it over to the elders. So he was really cru crucial in the transmission that tra of the Torah from one from Moshe Rabbeinu to the Zekinim. I see far in the future. That's why he put his right hand on, on Menashe. This is something very, uh, very important also. Uh, we also have to realize the idea of, the, of keeping the Mesorah. The Mesorah is not something, uh, it's, it's uh, extremely important. The idea of Mesorah being to transmit something from father to son as well as from teacher to student. What do we see from here? We see from here that a gadola door. Yaakov Avinu was a gadola door. A gadola door can see things that we may not be able to see. It's different. A gadola door, who gives him a certain insight. When he learns the Torah, he learns it in such a way that he can, he has, he can perhaps have Ruach HaKodesh. Now, I could tell you a a story that supposedly I, I, I read this uh, once upon a time. And this talks about Baba Meir in Eretz Israel. Baba Meir is a Mekubal. And uh, there was kidnapping of a boy in Mexico. They kidnapped the boy. After kidnapping, the father, of course, was a very wealthy man. And he probably would have given whatever they wanted. But there was no word whatsoever. No one, the kidnappers, did not get in touch with the father. Almost like, uh, almost next 48 hours. So, he went to Eris Israel. He went to Baba Meir, and he told him a story. He told him, wait. He went into a room. He closed himself completely from the rest of the world for a few hours. Then he came out. 
And he said to them, I don't know much about Mexico, Mexico City. But he said he sketched the house as it was built. In other words, he gave him a sketch how the house looks like, what it, the boy is. How did he know? We don't know. But he knew. Now, he says, I don't know the name of the street, but this is the way the house looks like. And it was, and he is in Mexico City. Now that sketch was passed to the uh, uh, passed over to the uh, to the uh, the police, and they investigated here and there. And after a number of hours, they found the boy, because they knew the you know they knew how the house looked like. The boy was without food and drink for three days, but he was alive. He was still alive. This is the koah of a gadol hador. He can tell things. He can see things that we cannot see. Now, as many, many stories like this. For example, Ramoshi Faisin, Allah wa Shalom, he was matir. He gave Ishur to marry to many, many agunot. Was a, aguna is a woman whose husband disappeared. Maybe he died, maybe not. We don't know. And uh, if, if, if there's no witnesses that, 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 that he died, she cannot remarry. Oh, these things happen a lot. Uh, sometimes in Israel, uh, miss, missing in action, for example, or whatever happens, someone that uh, a boat uh, uh, sinks and uh, he, they don't know whether he, he died or not, and so on and so forth. They come to Ramoshe Feinstein. He listens carefully. He makes them repeat the story exactly three, four times to make sure that the story is indeed correct. And he gave him a heter to remarry. How does he know that the, the husband is not going to come back? He was a gadol ador. The answer is he knew. A gadol can see things. He never was wrong. He worked out all right. On the other hand, there was a story once about, this happened maybe a couple hundred years ago, a wealthy man in Europe, and he had a very prosperous and thriving uh, uh, business. And he had an accountant. This accountant was married with three children. And he was a loyal and faithful worker. Normally, the boss if there are any meetings out of town, he would go and attend those meetings. Now, it so happened now that he was very busy and there was a very important meeting that he had to go to, but he couldn't. So instead, he told his accountant to go ahead instead of him. Well, he agreed, no problem. What happened was, as he was going, the boat sank and there was no trace of anyone alive the word came back that, it, that, that it, the boat sank so now the woman what is she going to do she, she, you know she, of course she mourns him and so on and so forth 
after about six to eight months, she had some suitors. She had three children. She had to feed them. She had to take care of them. She couldn't. She wanted to remarry. So she was a, 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 a suitor that wanted to marry her. She goes to the local rabbi. And the local rabbi says, excuse me, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I cannot give you a hetel. I don't know. According to the Torah, if no one saw him, there's no witness that can do anything. He says, but go to this and this and this great rabbi and talk to him about it. She goes to him and the rabbi listens to the story deep in thought and he tells her, come back in a year from now. Come back. Of course, uh, I mean, she, she was not so happy with the answer. But apparently, he saw something she didn't see. What happened is one year or so after the boat sank, one night, in the middle of the night, someone knocks at her door. She opens the door and she sees someone that looked like her husband, except he was very emaciated or gaunt, sad-looking, old clothes, well, he tells her, I'm your husband. He came. He came back. What happened? He told her, when the boat sank, there was a big plank that was in the water. He jumped in the water, held onto the plank, and with that he came, came ashore. But he could not get back home because it was only once a year that a boat goes to that area. And finally, when it came, he took the boat and came back. Well, the rabbi was right. There are certain things that Gdole Hador can see that we don't. I heard a story here a few weeks ago. I, I, I cannot verify it, but uh, this was a story that was going around that uh, there was in Eretz Israel. Uh, there was uh, a, this uh, young lady who, whose kidneys would, were not working. She had to have a transplant from, uh, from someone that has a matching kidney. Uh, and they found that her brother had uh, the, you know, matched everything. So, but he was, he was scared. He was scared stiff. So go ahead and remove one of his kidneys. Where does he go to? He goes to the Gadol Ador. Abhaim Kanivsky. Shalita. So Abhaim listens to the story. He says, you have nothing to fear. And not only you have nothing to fear, you should go through it. You should go through it. Normally he's saying you have nothing to fear. That's it. In this case, you should go through it. He saw something that nobody else saw. What happened is then when they operated on him and they were about to remove the kidney, they saw underneath it a huge tumor that was malignant tumor, cancerous. This man, had he not done this operation, probably would have been, 
would have gone within a year or so. How does he know? He's a Gadol Ador. This is why the Torah tells us a Gadol Ador we have to have emunah in the Torah. We have to have emunat hachamim. What our hachamim tell us, we have to believe in what they say. Our hachamim zikronam libracha, all the way down from Moshe Rabbeinu, all the way down. We have to have emunah in the hachamim. Emuna in their takanot, emuna in their gezerot, emuna in everything that they've been telling us. This is part of our loyalty and faithfulness to our Torah. Here are some that if we follow our hachaminu zikhunam libracha, we follow them. Be'azat Hashem, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, will bring us our Mashiach Sitkenu. Amen.